Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come and worship you again this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you, with praise um, we can fixate our hearts on you, Lord. So often we can uh, get trampled by the things that are of this world uh, and even filled with things that aren't meant to be filled um, in our hearts, Lord. So, Lord, would you open our hearts, uh, open our ears, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Um, and, Lord, may we be transformed uh, by your word again as Paul brings it. We pray for the little ones and the people that are teaching them, Lord. We just ask that your blessing will be upon their ministry this morning. And thank you for the work they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I on? I am. I can hear myself. That's terrible. Before I start, yesterday... Uh, about 25 of us went into the Civic Centre and we had a great time of witnessing and preaching the gospel. And surprisingly, people stopped and listened and uh, we had some good conversations. I'm getting louder. <laughs> and encourage you folk that people are still listening. Ross was there drawing for us and um, we appreciated that a lot, Ross. Thank you. So uh, maybe next year we could do it as a church. We could go in and uh, we could sing and we could witness and we could uh, preach the gospel together, and that would be a great thing, wouldn't it? Working, working as a church, uh, working together. Um, my subject today is um, let's rebel against the rebellion. Uh, sounds a little bit iffy, doesn't it? But it's on my heart that... Uh, you know, this world is in rebellion, and it's, um, I was part of that rebellion. Before I came to Christ, I was as much as a rebel as anyone else. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lost world. It's a world that can't, it can't see God, and therefore he does not exist. But, um, you know, we have the privilege of uh, representing Christ, and we are to this world Christ. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, the incarnation, the incarnational life. Now, it's, it's an amazing thing that God would become man and, and come to us and, and be one of us. And that in itself is a miracle beyond our understanding. But there's this miracle of the incarnational life and I want to look at that this morning. The world is the world. It, can, it, can't, sorry, it can't be fixed up. It's, it's wrecked. It's ruined. But here's God at work in this world by his spirit um, and through this message called the gospel. And as that is preached, men and women, boys and girls are coming to faith in Christ. And this ongoing mission, which is never going to stop until the Lord tells it to stop, because uh, when we get to heaven, you know, we're not going to share Christ with anyone. <laughs> we're not going to have this opportunity to witness and to preach this great message. But uh, the world is, it, it, it's lost and it's in darkness and it seems like the darkness is increasing. We're approaching the final hour, I believe. I believe we're in the last days. There are, you know, I, I, I really believe that, but... We, we know that this world is going to accept a false Christ and deny the true Christ. And that, that will be the very peak of rebellion when it takes Satan's man and adores him and uh, 
falls prostrate before him, and yet the true Christ has been rejected. So I believe that that will be the very peak of man's rebellion when it accepts uh, Satan's man. We need a revolution. (laughs) We do need a revolution. And that revolution really takes the form of revival. Now, the world cannot be revived, but I believe the church needs this revival. And it's not something that um, we can muster up. It's something where the Spirit of God comes and touches our own personal lives. And we, I suppose, fall more in love with Jesus than we ever have before. And we, we begin to yield and submit and surrender. This is what God wants. This is what he wants. So bear with me today. We need, uh, you know, like most, most revolution or rebellion, uh, as far as the world is concerned, it's about protest. Uh, it's about disobedience uh, and it's disruption. Non-compliance. Now, this is really a description of the Christian rebellion. And it's not a violent overthrow. It's not something that we, uh, we want to uh, hurt people with. We want to bless people with our rebellion. And it's a strange term that, that rebels such as us who have been won through the grace of God and, and through the cross of Christ. We're no longer part of this world. We're, we're not citizens of this world. We have a citizenship which is in heaven. And as that, we can be part of this rebellion, which I think is the ultimate way that we can manifest Christ is to allow him to be your king, your Lord. Surrender to him on a daily basis. We're going to turn to the Bible in a minute. The Christian's greatest statement or protest or disruption to the kingdom of darkness in Christ and a Christ-rejecting world is to be like Jesus. How do you feel with your neighbourhood with Jesus living in the midst of it? Well, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, that is us. We have neighbourhoods, we have workplaces, we have, we have everyday uh, meetings with, with people. And this is what the Lord wants. He wants this reproduction of the very life of Jesus, this incarnational life. It's an impossible life. We can't live it apart from Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Can we open the Bible? Let's read from 1 Peter 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We'll stop there. That in itself is an amazing statement. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We know a little bit about this man. We don't know a lot because we know as much as is written for us, but this man was in love with Jesus, that he would be one of the Lord's apostles, the denier of Christ. He was a terrible failure. Really, he was. He meant well, but he did a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, you and I, we go, tut, tut. Dear Peter, yeah, he was a deserter. He deserted the Lord. 
I understand why he deserted the Lord, because he was scared. But he did desert. He denied the Lord. He deserted the Lord. And yet he was the great preacher at Pentecost. It seems that Peter took this prominent place amongst the apostles and he led this rebellion. He led this great movement of God. The Spirit of God was in him as, as the Spirit of God was in all of those people. And there was this manifestation of this boldness and this courage that wasn't there before the Spirit of God came. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and let's go down to, to verse uh, 3. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a living hope that every Christian has. It's not a dead hope. It's not something we're hoping for. It's a sure and certain hope that uh, the writer to the Hebrews talks about, that it's, it's a hope that we know that where we're heading, we know where we're going, we're certain about this. I have eternal life now. I belong to Christ. He purchased me. Uh, his blood has cleansed me. His spirit lives in me. And it's all through the resurrection of Christ. He's alive. Do we believe that today? Of course we do. Of course we believe that. But does it make any difference in your daily living that Jesus is alive? What's more, he's with us. What's more, he's in us. You see, Jesus didn't only just give his life for us at the cross. He actually gave his life to us. And this incarnational living, this, this, this wonderful privilege we have to take Jesus wherever we go, that, he's, that he is there, he wants to live his life through you and through me. And he's, he's asking me as one of his children to surrender to him, to give all to him. Now, have I given all to my Lord? Ah, no, there's more to give. There's reservation in me, but Christ wants all. Let's turn to first, Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 1. Simon Peter, here he is again. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. A bond servant. He saw himself as attached to the Lord, enslaved to him, but it's a good slavery. He's a good master. And Peter this man who failed, who denied Christ, who departed and deserted Christ, but was the great preacher at Pentecost because the Spirit of God was in him, the Spirit of Christ was in him. He goes on and he says in verse 3, verse 2 will say, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, sorry, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers or you may participate in the divine nature. That God would be manifested in our living, in our speaking, in our love for one another, 
our consideration for, for people who are lost, and that we would live this life of Jesus. This is what he wants. This is the crucial testimony of the body of Christ, that we would be like his son. It's an impossible life, as I said. I cannot live it. And that's why I have to recognize, and we'll look a little later, at the crucified life. But I cannot live this life. It's an impossible life. But I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's who lives my life for me. And as I surrender to him, it's his life that's coming out. This is the incarnational life. This is a, a, a representation of Jesus. Rebellion, naturally, is something that we, we it's sort of, it's easy to do, isn't it? <laughs> it's easy to rebel. As far as the world is concerned, it's in rebellion. <clears throat> it's unaware of it, actually. But it is in rebellion. But the Christian's rebellion is against the world's system. It's The world is trying to squeeze us into its mold. But the Christian is saying, I, I, I don't want to be like that anymore. I used to be like that. I want the life of Jesus to be manifested in my mortal body. The saving life of Christ is this, that not only did he die for us, he lives for us. He's alive. And you know what? The world is waiting to see this. It is waiting to see this. And as we were out there uh, for three hours yesterday, that's why my nose is extra red. It's usually red. But, but, and it's not because I drink whiskey. It's because I serve too much without sun lotion on. That's, and over the years, it's just gone red. But now it's really red because we were out in the sun for, for three hours yesterday talking to people asking them what they thought of Jesus. You know, a question is a powerful thing, isn't it? It's a powerful thing. And, and as we engaged with people, we didn't see thousands saved. I didn't see one person saved, but we sowed a lot of seed yesterday. And they heard and they saw 25 Christians standing up with drama and, and, uh, and preaching and, 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 and music. We were there for Jesus. The world's waiting to see it. The world is confused. It's corrupt, but it's confused. We have the truth. The saving life of Christ is the only life <clears throat> that makes sense of sorrow and sin and heartache. It's the only life. The world is wondering if God is so good, why am I hurting so much? But I tell you now, the life of Christ, the saving life of Christ, when manifested, when seen, it makes sense of life. And it's the only thing that does because this life is pretty crazy. And people are hurting, lost, in darkness, hell-bound. They're, they're heading to hell. I don't just want the Lord to save my soul. He's done that. He, done, he did that the night I trusted him as my saviour. I want him to save my life. 
so that others can see his life. That takes surrender. Sometimes I rebel against that. I resist that surrender. But I want to encourage you this morning, it's not the impossible life when you surrender to Christ. The Christian life is the greatest life. Don't let anyone anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let people say to you, oh, the Christian life is hard. I know what they mean by that, but it's not hard. It's beautiful. It's wonderful because it's Christ in us and it's allowing him to have his way with your life. The surrendered life is a life that is cooperating with the word of God and the spirit of God. This is the spirit's word. We believe that, don't we? That this men wrote this, they penned it, but this is, this is how it came to us by the spirit of God. And if I take this seriously and I put it into practice in my life, the result will be Jesus. The world has no answer, no argument, and cannot attack the Christ-like Christian. We should be a puzzle to the world, surprising them. The very kindness of Christ, the kindness of God, the very love of, love of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the grace of Christ, it's all the manifestation of his life coming out in us. And as we fellowship together and as we, as we meet together with Christ as the center, it'll be a revolution. It'll be a revival. It'll be a magnificent movement of God. The incarnational life of Jesus is something on display. Now, we read in Philippians that we are not to promote ourselves, but we're not promoting ourselves, are we? The Christian life is actually, it's his life in me. And I want to promote Jesus. I want him to be seen in my life. I don't want to live my life and at the end of it have failed at this. Jesus said, I am the true vine. That means that, that he's, our, he's the source of our life. He says, without me, you can do nothing. I can't. I do try. I try actually quite consistently to do things without Jesus. But it never comes to anything. But when his life is seen, his power is known, his word is preached. Wow. And there's a lot of people out there that are waiting for this. The resurrection life of Christ. The Bible says that every believer has the resurrection life of Christ. We've been raised from the dead. We once were dead in transgressions and sins, and yet now we are made alive in Christ, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We're already there, but there's a job to do. And this is what I believe the church is failing to do. We're not missional. We're maintenance. <laughs> The abundant life. The life of overflowing. The life where there's no end to the source of goodness and kindness. The beautiful life. And this life makes sense of Christ, uh, uh, makes sense also. Uh, 
it doesn't make sense that people would know that we are Christians and we're not living like Jesus. That doesn't make sense. And I know that in the prison, this is where we're aiming at now with the men, not just to preach the gospel, but to challenge them. If they have accepted Christ, why would they waste their lives in what they used to do and not be his disciples? Because a disciple, of course, he's a student. That's what the word means. We're students. And to be, to be studying Jesus, you've got to hang out with him. You've got to spend time with him. But the, the disciple, he's learning to follow and following to learn. And, and it's a process of time and, and surrender. And as we're doing this, changes are happening. By the renewing of your mind, there's a transformation going on. Peter says that all of these exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us, right? And we believe them. I know we believe them. As believers, we believe. <laughs> but it's through them and it's through acting and actually putting those promises into practice that we become participants in God's nature. And this is, this is the amazing salvation that we have, that God just didn't rescue us from hell. He didn't rescue us from just going to a lost eternity. He rescued us for himself. That this relational, intimate, functional friendship that we have with Jesus now is something that is outworking in us. And, it, and it's wonderful. And it's great. And it's the greatest rebellion against the wickedness and the darkness of this world. And this is what God wants us to be a part of. He's asking us to rebel against the world and not, and not hurt or harm, but to be harmless and to be, to be as Jesus to people. The crucified life. The crucified life is the rebellion against the rebellion. I, I suspect that this is true of you, but I have a lot of problems with me. <laughs> I'm meant to be dead, but I keep jumping out of the coffin. And, and this, is the, this is the thing that if we count on the fact that we died with Christ and we're risen with him and we live accordingly, changes happen. And it's not like we're trying to produce fruit. It's that fruit is just produced. Because you don't see your peach tree in the backyard groaning and trying to produce a peach. It just happens. And this, we're not following, following a code of conduct or we're not following the law or rules or regulations. We're just following Jesus. And I think that that's what the book of Acts, the magnificent book of Acts, is really about. That they were on a journey. They were very ignorant at the beginning. They didn't understand much at all, but they did understand this. Jesus was alive, and that's all they needed. He was alive. I died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. Where's that found? I died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. Where's that found? <laughs> Come on, Bible people. It's Colossians 3. 
if ye then be raised with Christ. Seek those things that are above, not things on the earth. You know, we need to rediscover this, I believe. I need to rediscover this. I'm here for a purpose. That purpose is to make Christ known. And the best way that can happen is for me to surrender. Let him have his way. Stop resisting him. Put him as number one. Don't allow the world to put you into its mold. Don't be like the world. The Christ ones, that's us, our rebellion leads to revolution. (laughs) This is fighting talk. And revelation and resolution that if you and I do what God is calling us to do, revolution, revelation, and resolution will be effective. Revolution is that the love of God is already shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And our love will be towards God first and others second. Your last, by the way. <laughs> Revelation is that the life of Christ is on display. This is, this is really the revelation that is so necessary for a Christ-rejecting world. That they can't argue against this Jesus life. They just it can't be argued against. People can't deny that there's something different about you. And when you're asked, you can say, Well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's what's different about me. Because in my own self, in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. The world is trying to refine itself, educate itself. Be better. God's plan is not a life improvement plan. It's a revolutionary plan of life in Christ. And you can't and I can't muster this up. The world can't do this. Only only the gospel can do this. And the resolution is that the gospel of Christ is preached. We start to talk about Jesus. You fall in love with someone. I, 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 used to, I, used to get, I used to get a hard time from my surfing buddies because I used to talk about Joanne. That's my wife. <laughs> but they, they got sick of me talking about her. But I wanted to talk about her. You know, you want to talk about someone you love, don't you? We, we, we need to talk. We need to talk about Jesus. You know... There was an, I read a book about, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. I can't remember how long. And it was a book, a biography about a man, a Chinese brother, whose English name was Samuel Lamb. Has anyone heard of this man, Samuel Lamb? Yeah. Not many people have, but he, uh, he did two long prison sentences in China. And... Uh, Actually, they weren't actually in prison. He was in a coal mine to start with. And I think he did something like 10 years in the coal mine. And um, he he was a slight man. He was not physically very big, and he could not do the work. So 
the authorities had mercy on him and they made him uh, the barber. That was the best thing they could have ever done and the worst thing they could have ever done because he led many people to Christ as he cut hair, you know. But what, what this book really spoke to me about was that the communist authorities with every political and religious prisoner, they had to renounce their beliefs. And it came to Samuel Lamb's time, and he, he, he thought, how am I going to do this? And he prayed about this. Because if you didn't renounce your belief, it was tougher and harder on you, and he was already in a hard spot. So what he did was he renounced all that was misrepresenting Christianity. And he renounced all that was um, not conducive to the true Christianity. Everything that was fake in Christianity, he renounced. And they saw what he was saying. And he got through that period of time. They actually accepted what he said. It was good enough for them. And I think that that's, that's sort of where the church needs to be at today is that we need to get rid of the fake, get rid of the stuff that misrepresents Jesus. And you can really only do that as an individual, but if we do it individually in number, there's going to be an amazing effect. Yep, there's something about rebelling against the world's system that really appeals to me. I was a rebel and I rebelled against God, but now I'm a rebel on God's side. And this revolution that that needs to happen, it doesn't need to happen. That the church in China is flourishing because it's under persecution. I hate persecution. I don't want it to come, but I do believe it could come. And the church in South America is not under persecution, but they're coming out of a works-based Catholicism. That's There's freedom in Christ. And it's flourishing in these, these countries. It's not flourishing in New Zealand. It's not flourishing generally in the West, but it needs to. I want to finish by reading this, this hymn that I have never heard sung in a church. <laughs> but it was given to me by an old brother, Bert Smith. Do you know Bert Smith? Who knows Bert? Yeah. It's called Trust in God. And it starts, Courage, brother. Do not stumble. Though thy path is dark as night, there's a star to guide the humble. Trust in God and do the right. Let the road be long and dreary and its ending out of sight. Foot it bravely, strong and weary. Trust in God and do the right. Perish policy and cunning. Perish all that fears the light. Whether losing, whether winning, trust in God and do the right. Trust no forms of guilty passion. Fiends can look like angels bright. Trust no custom, school or fashion. Trust in God and do the right. Trust no party, church or faction. Trust no leaders in the fight. But in every word and action, trust in God and do the right. Some will hate thee. Some will love thee. Some will flatter. Some will slight. Cease from man and look above thee. Trust in God and do the right. 
simple rule and safest guiding, inward peace and inward light, star upon our path abiding. Trust in God and do the right. Brothers and sisters, we are in a good position, the best position. We are in Christ. It's time to let his life shine from us. Let me pray. Father, thank you for setting your affection on us. We were rebellious. We had no desire toward you. And yet somehow, Father, you helped us to see the Christ, the magnificent one, the glorious one, the Savior, our Savior. We acknowledge, Father, today that we are undeserved. We we do not deserve him. But we are so grateful and so thankful, Father, that you persevered with us. You patiently worked in us. And you brought us to this place where we come to know him who is our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm.